Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about issues of the day from a biblical perspective, as well as highlights from interviews, conferences, and events. Here's David Smith and Monty Larrick. Do you see us running here? We are running. Okay. Okay. (laughs) This thing's tricky. You think you're recording and you might not be. We did it Uh, once. once. Oh, once, yeah. Yeah. That was enough. Kind of like rock climbing. On belay, belay on. Yeah, all right. All right, here we go. You got, have to keep in mind, we have an introduction that's been pre-recorded and music. Okay. okay. So, all right. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. I'm Monty Larrick, and this is David Smith, Hello. the Executive Director of the Illinois Family Institute and Illinois Family Action. Early voting already underway in the June 28th primary, and Illinois Family Action is endorsing conservative Republican Phil Wood in the 8th Congressional District race. Yes, we are. Yeah. Uh, the 8th District encompassing parts of Cook, DuPage, and Kane Counties. Why did we give Pastor Phil Wood the nod? Because he has the right conservative values for the state of Illinois to bring us back from the brink. Um, we need somebody who fears God in Washington, D.C., and will stand up for the right to life. And I have every confidence that Phil will do that. Pastor Phil will do that. Phil, does that sound like you? Oh, I appreciate that, David, <laughs> Monty. I am honored to be endorsed by you. There's no question. It's probably, it probably means more to me. But I certainly want to stand for life. There's no question. Well, the district, the 8th Congressional District, currently is represented by Democrat Raja Krishnamurthy. 
Is that your ankle bracelet again, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I should mute that, but that's right. Uh, the district currently represented by Democrat Raja Krishnamurthy. Phil, why do you want to unseat this nice smile? Uh, seems like a moderate Raja. Nice guy. Yeah, incredibly. You know, I was, I've been part of the 6th Congressional District like my whole life. Uh, Henry Hyde was the earliest congressman I can remember. Yes. And he was a statesman, and we still remember the Hyde, Hyde Amendment and the work that he did with the Clinton impeachment. And then I was represented by Peter Roscombe. So, man, I, we had a great run going yes. in the 6th. Yes. And after Jeannie Ives lost a couple of years ago, in 2020, it was so, and I don't use this word a whole lot, but I was so disgusted about, with the whole process that I started reaching out and say, hey, we got it. What are we going to do now and to get rolling? And so in 2020, I started uh, reaching out saying, who can we support? As a pastor, I wanted to, to use whatever influence, whatever little influence I had uh, to encourage and, and to keep the six going. And it turned out uh, that with the gerrymandering and the, the census that happened, I got... Uh, gerrymandered into the 8th Congressional District, just a, moved a couple blocks just south of me. And as I started doing research with that, I found out that no Republican even challenged the incumbent last time. At that point, he was sitting on $11 million in his campaign fund. <laughs> now it's grown to $13 million. Sure. No one's going to outspend the guy. And so I was like, man, it, 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 at least maybe I could jump in there and soften him up a little bit, make him spend a little bit down and, and to challenge him. So partially I went in because I couldn't find anyone to support God bless you. And the people of the district deserve a choice. Yes. You know, they shouldn't just give a free pass to an incumbent exactly. who's uh, growing comfortable, wealthy. And, you know, you those kind of guys could become kingmakers and increase their <laughs> power, politically speaking, yeah. you know, by giving some of their money and their campaign war chest to other up-and-coming you know, that's how they do it, you know, so. Yeah. And, you know, I, I described Raja, he, he seems like a moderate, but he's really not, is no. he? No, not at all. A number of people have told me that they've reached out to right. him about issues, certainly about life, and he, no, in uns, no uncertain terms, he is pro-choice, and you're seeing him now with the Roe v. Wade decision, how he's stepping out, as well as, of course, Brisker and and others. Yeah, they're abortion abortion cheerleaders is yes. how we we uh, phrase it here at IFI, and um, they're they're as radical as Nancy Pelosi sure. when it comes to and and actually as a pastor, I'd like to ask you a question. The news is that uh, her own bishop, her Catholic bishop, has denied her communion. Now, for evangelicals, that's a form of church discipline. Absolutely. And the goal of church discipline, as we know is to bring you back into fellowship and right standing before a holy God. And so that that's the goal, I'm, I'm, I believe. Um, but it seems as though she is not willing to um, uh, uh, go along with the discipline, repent, and get right with the Lord. Hmm. She's sticking with her pro-abortion views. Um, just like, I don't know if you know this, but Dick Durbin has also been refused mm -hmm. communion by Bishop Poprocki in Springfield. And again... They're um, pretty rigid when it comes to this yeah. issue. Praise God for the Catholics who are standing up for life. Yes. I mean, they have led the way. Amen. It's just incredible. In fact, I kind of hang my head as, as an evangelical, realizing that uh, we have been so far behind. You know, I feel like Francis Schaeffer came back in the 70s from Switzerland and said, what are you guys doing? <laughs> and, and trying to motivate the, uh, the, the evangelicals to, to step in. And we still haven't quite caught up. And it's interesting, as I'm looking through websites of different churches to contact, 
I'll look at evangelical churches, and most of the times they'll have youth ministry and children's ministry and stuff. And most of the Catholic churches have pro-life ministries. And we don't. No. No. Unfortunately. In wow. fact, we're even scared to take a position on it yep. oftentimes because it looks too political. And it's like, what part of saving a baby is political? Right. I don't get that. Right. And there's a lot of crisis pregnancy centers that could use our help. There's a lot, um, the 40 Days for Life campaign that goes on every fall, every spring. Um, and I know some folks from my church, some young ladies who stand out in front of the abortion clinic in Flossmoor mm-hmm. um, counseling and praying for the women. And they've had success turning women around, crisis pregnancy, women in crisis pregnancy, turning them around over to the Aid for Women office instead. So um, our witness, uh, the opportunities abound for us to do life-saving, soul-saving yes. work. Yes. Well, the Reverend Dr. Wood, yes, you have a doctorate, Thank you. Uh, brings an interesting perspective to the race. Uh, he grew up in the Chicago area, son of a union meat cutter. He worked in uh, church ministries in Wyoming and Florida, now in the Chicago area. Uh, Pastor Wood has... Uh, Led ministries for the homeless. Oh, wow. Has a long volunteer working history with uh, inmates, ex-offenders, and those who struggle with addiction. Why politics now? Hmm. I'm asking myself the same question, <laughs> actually. It, is a, it was the furthest thing from my mind. And I remember, you know, a year and a half ago, two years ago when we first, when we did lose the election, and I said, okay, I want to find someone to support. And at one point, I did tell someone, I said, man, if I can't find someone to support, I'm going to run myself. And I caught myself thinking, where did that come from? (laughs) And I resisted, I resisted. And so then when we got redistricted into the 8th, I remember leaving a meeting. It was actually a, a meeting that Jeannie Ives had on a Tuesday night, and they told about the new district. And I was, I was with my son. And, I, and we recognize how everything got so leaning, with the gerrymandering, so leaning Democratic that it's like it was almost be impossible to win back the sixth, almost impossible to win back the third. I mean, it was just incredible. And we were looking at the eighth there, and it was like, uh, you know what? It looks like this could be something that could be won back. Because rather than being D, like 38% or something, <laughs> it's like D6. And in this particular election, you know, there's probably a 10-point room for error either way. And then also there's, there's an uh, independent running against Raj in the, uh, in the, in the general election. And so and he's liberal, uh, and looks a lot like him in a lot of different ways. So it's interesting. It really could m- make for a, a decent race. It could be won back. No one expected the, uh, the, the red tide to go through the eighth. The press isn't the Republican... Democrats are. In fact, kind of the word on the street is they're, they're trying to protect Raj to take over Durbin's spot because mm-hmm. Durbin's going to retire 2026. Sure. He's, he's, he's a clean, nice guy. Nice image. I mean, how many clean, nice Democrats are even out there, right. you know, that don't have felonies or, you know, don't, aren't facing some uh, indictments? Though recently Raj fell on his own. Some stuff happened Ooh. with the, the NFL. But even with that, it seemed like he was being protected. So I, I was moving toward this, and, and I said, well, let's pray about it. So I started reaching out to some, actually some people that I thought would be great candidates, younger lawyers, different things, and they were like, we know too much about the DuPage, King County, Dem- uh, the Republic, or uh, the uh, po- political system, that we don't want anything to do with it. And so 
I told my family, I asked my family, my wife was first, she said, no way, I don't want anything to do with that. You know, we, I, we've been, a, I mean, I've worked for churches like four decades, and so, and that settled it for me. Because my wife and I, if, we, if we're not on the same page, it's like, I don't even want to proceed. Initially said, no, then she came back, she's a prayer warrior, prays faithfully every day, and she said, you know, maybe, let, let's, let's explore. So what happened was, uh, on the day after Christmas, I said, well, I'll make a decision by the first of the year. This is the uh, end of 2021. The day after Christmas, I started fasting. And I went probably about 10 days of fasting and praying, saying, you know, Lord, I, you know, are, are you in this or not? And I got COVID. And my wife said, you know, she's, she's my wiser side. There's no question. <laughs> and she came to me and says, you know, maybe you shouldn't be fasting. And, you know, maybe you should seek the Lord. So I, so I recovered from COVID. And it wasn't any big deal. It was like being sick for a day. And we kept praying about it, and I pushed it off. In fact, we went past the, the time that you could start collecting signatures. And we, I kept putting off because it was like, is there anyone out there? And I kept checking the Internet for someone that would step up and, be, and run who, who had a strong pro-life. I mean, I've been a single-issue voter for years and years. I've held my nose sometimes walking into the polling. But, but life to me is a, is a single issue. Amen. And the Lord seemed to make it clear. And in, in February, we started collecting the signatures. All that came together real nicely. And then a lot of things started falling in place and where the Lord confirmed. And I said, you know what? If nothing else, I'm going to use this as a platform that, if I can't share a pro-life message, I'm going to get the other candidates to make it an issue that they care about. Amen. Well, it's an opportunity to teach, too. Yes, I'm. Yes, yes. Amen. So you said that um, the 8th Congressional District may be a plus a D plus six. Yeah, that's what that's I... It's not as big as it no. used to be. Oh, no. You know what? I think they had too much confidence in Raja. Mm-hmm. Figuring, hey, we've got this safe. He's sure. got he's got over ten million. He's a he's a likable guy. He's safe, and so they drained a lot of red off that and pushed it down toward the third into the sixth. You mean blue? Blue. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's right. That's Thanks for correcting that. And so, in the in that sense, I think they may have shot themselves in the foot. So you have to be tremendously encouraged with the latest poll numbers that are coming out, saying that like Biden's approval numbers with Hispanic Americans. Are in the twenties. I mean, it's conceivable there'll be some crossover voting coming up in the eighth congressional. You know, all all across the United States. But yeah. you know, Hispanic voters in the eighth in in the Elgin area there is. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. interesting. Last and last fall, I actually I was driving down three fifty five here on my motorcycle and it broke down in Lockport. I had to get a tow truck a tow home. The tow truck driver was Hispanic. Mm-hmm. A, a second family in Mexico. I mean, a lot of his values and morals didn't necessarily look like what, what I would embrace. He was so conservative. It was incredible. <laughs> I had another situation where I had to get a tow actually on the south side of Chicago. Met a guy. You need he, another me- motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this was a car this time. But he said, um, I, I met a guy. He said he, he was a graduate of the, of the Chicago public school system. Um, he could speak Spanish, could speak English, and couldn't read either one of them. Oh, no. I said, how does that happen? He said, well, Chicago Public School, they they just put you through. (laughs) Same thing. I mean, these were people, I was just random places meeting people that didn't necessarily look a whole lot or think a whole lot, and they were so fed up with how the country was going that I recognized. So, yeah, I think those polls are, are not even the tip of the iceberg of where it's at. So let me ask you, Pastor, do you think the Republican Party is missing an opportunity here to reach out to um, those kind of voters who um, may have not been traditionally part of the big tent of the Republican Party? You know, I think 
the Illinois Republicans, and I'm, I'm hesitant here because, you know, I want to be a team player. I want to sure. come on. I'm already an outsider as it is. <laughs> but I feel like we're out of step with the rest of the country. Mm-hmm. And so, like most of the candidates up here, if you look at the, the planks in their platform on their website, they're not even listing pro-life as, a, as, a, as an issue. They're not even listing it as an issue, mm-hmm. let alone touching it. You, you listen to the debates in Pennsylvania and Georgia and Ohio. It is a core issue. Nationally, people care about life. Yep. And overall, even the Democrats, no one likes, no, nobody, nobody likes the idea of killing a baby. I don't care who they are. And in that sense, we, I think the statistics prove about 85% of the people uh, want some type of restriction on abortion. They're not for what's happening in Colorado and in, and in uh, California. In Massachusetts. And in Illinois, Massachusetts. Yep. They're not for that, where it's like kill the baby anytime. Right. That is not where people live. I mean, there, I, I see people taking a, you know, giving insulin shot, shots to their cat to keep it alive a few more months. You know, people care about life. And they want parental notice. Yes. And they oppose taxpayer funding. For most abortions. Yes. Yeah. Well, the whole idea of Illinois becoming a dumping ground once Roe v. Wade is overturned, and at the, at the recording right now that we're doing it, the, the Supreme Court has not yet announced its uh, decision, but we're hopeful and prayerful that it is going to overturn. But all the states around us are going to restrict or outlaw abortion, and Illinois is going to become a destination point. Even more so. Right. More, even more so. So yeah, our tax dollars are going to be used for more abortions. But um, the point I want to make is is that the church needs to rise up yes, yes. And, and be more proactive in our pro-life messaging, caring, uh, interactions. What else can we do, Pastor? Well, I, I do think we do need to address what we're being told that we don't care about from you know birth to the grave. Yeah, right. And that's been something we as a church and me as an individual, you know, for years, uh, my wife and I have been renting houses in, in, our, in our township, in our area, to, to folks on Section 8, you know, yes. with the DuPage housing. And what it's allowed are some folks to get out of the city, some families, and to give their kids a, a chance. And I remember standing at the end of the driveway with um, a woman. She was 30-something, had spent her whole life in some type of government housing. And because of a, a, a good performance on a, te- a temporary job, she was being offered a permanent job. And she, I, I was standing at the end of her driveway, and she said, you know, when I got that letter, I've never seen so many zeros in my life. You know, it was like a real job for the first time. I mean, she had done all types of things. And, but she said, you know what, if I take this job, I'm going to lose my voucher. My God. And it was, it was a tough decision. She took the job. I mean, praise God. And, and over and over, we've seen that where we've, been, we've helped people with housing. You know, my history for 13 years, I worked with uh, Wayside Cross Ministries with the homeless. And a lot of the times, the homeless women we were working with were mothers. But the kids were off with grandma. They're being cared for. And we were helping get the mother with her feet on the ground. Wayside does a really good job of that. Uh, we work with at-risk youth down in Aurora and, and Montgomery. Same thing. We were coming alongside the, these children. Right now, I work with Meyer Clinics. And so on Mondays, we have a collaboration with Lawndale uh, Community Church and the, and, the, and the health center down there on Ogden. And what happens is, I mean, I'm spending my whole day Mondays talking to folks. I mean, there, there's a, situations where a woman has a newborn, has a one-year-old, has a three-year-old, and the, and the father is in jail. And we're coming alongside of them. Lawndale's doing that. Wayside's doing it. Meyer's doing that. We're coming alongside. So I think what's happening, there's a lot of ministry opportunities that, that are out there, yeah. not just for 
the pro-life for the baby, but to, to support these families as they go on. And I think that's where the church can really come alongside. Excellent examples. Thank you for being part of all of that. That is so good. Before we take a time out, you're transitioning away from full-time yeah. uh, pastorate. Yeah. Yeah, tell us. Yeah, that is, this is really strange to me because, I mean, I, I preached my first sermon when I was 17. When I my first, I helped plant a church in St. Augustine, Florida, either 17 or 18. First church staff, I went on full-time in Wyoming. I was 19, just turning 20, um, and have been... So, except for a couple breaks, getting when I got my master, went back for my master's, and then uh, that was about it. I mean, I've just been church ministry. That's been my life, and the preaching the gospel's been it. So I, I was at this, been at this church thirty years. Wow, thirty years. That's we just, amazing. And uh, I said I would never leave until the Lord called me someplace else, as clearly as He called me here. So. Now, if the church would have voted me out or chased me out, I mean, then yeah, that's a clear calling. <laughs> what, what's the church? It's the... called Fellowship Church in Carroll Strain. Okay. Yeah, it was planted by First Baptist Church of Wheaton back in around 1960 when the community, and we were the first church building started, and they, and they were just reaching out with to this town. And then in 1992, uh, they had kind of run out of people, and we were doing a church plan in the Addison area. So we came together, and it was just, I mean, I raised my four children there, and my wife's had such a good ministry. So it, we've been blessed in the people and the family, and so all these years. But it, for the first time, if it seemed that the Lord was leading me someplace else, and I said, I told the congregation, I said, I'm like Abraham in the sense of I know the calling is sure. I don't know what the destination is, <laughs> but I know the calling is sure. And so the Lord has led me. And so actually, this Sunday is going to be my, my last sermon I'm preaching there at the congregation. Wow. Well, we want to take a time out now that we've gotten to know the Reverend Dr. Phil Wood. Well, what's his website? Yeah, what is your website? PhilWoodForCongress.com. PhilWoodForCongress.com. Sounds like we can make a song out of that one. And you spell <laughs> a wood, little jingle. And you spell Wood, W-O-O-D, right? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's an easy one. <laughs> okay. You know, we could be related because there's wood in my family background. Yeah. Good. I hope so. Okay. There we go. Uh when we come back, we're going to talk some issues that you may be faced with if you're elected to Congress. So, right. From your lips to God's ears. All right, here we go. Uh, we'll take that time out and uh, rejoin our conversation with uh, Pastor Phil Wood after this. Hail and well met. I'm Alyssa. I'm Eliana. I'm Kenna. And I'm Jenna. We are four females who, by discussing and dismantling subjects prevalent in the Western culture, want to make truth self-evident once again. We want to make current cultural events and worldview issues relatable to our peers and point all those listening to the gospel and what the Bible says. We are available on any platform you find a podcast. So please leave us a review, follow us on all the social medias, and please give us a listen. Self-evident, dedicated to speaking truths that were once self-evident and doing so in love. Abortion's always been about population control. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with The Point. This summer, the U.S. Supreme Court could overturn Roe v. Wade in the case of Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization. Part of what the justices have to consider is a legal principle called stare decisis, 
which means respecting precedent. If the High Court wants to respect Roe, it should take into account why Roe was decided the way it was in 1973. Since then, the pro-abortion movement has primarily insisted that abortion is a women's rights issue. But back in 73, many Americans, especially elites, believed the now-debunked theory that the world was headed for a catastrophic overpopulation. The Supreme Court justices themselves noted in the official majority opinion in Roe v. Wade that this concern motivated their decision to legalize abortion. So the justices should consider Roe's precedent in the Dobbs case, and that the precedent was a debunked theory. And that way, we'll see abortion for what it really is, an unconstitutional evil. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with The Point. Thanks for joining Illinois Family Spotlight. Monty Larry here along with David Smith, yeah, our executive director of the Illinois Family Institute and Illinois Family Action. And we're speaking with the Reverend Dr. Phil Wood, who is a Republican candidate for Congress in the 8th Congressional District that represents uh, Cook, parts of Cook, DuPage, and Kane counties. So, Pastor, uh, based on your work with the homeless and those who struggle with addiction, mm-hmm. Do you support or oppose efforts at the federal level to allow licensed marijuana businesses to operate like any other legal business with access to banking services? You could be faced with that. Yeah, I don't. And I'll tell you for, for a couple of reasons. One is it's federally controlled right now. So federally, it's illegal. So we need to get that in, in line together, obviously. The, the other issue is I'm dealing with a lot of people, because right, currently I also work for the DuPage County Health Department in the crisis center. So for the last four or five years, uh, overnights taking crisis calls, I'll go out during the middle of the night and do the SAS screenings, which is basically when unfunded kids uh, like attempt suicide I, I meet them at the, uh, at the emergency room and help decide what the next step is. So, I mean, I am like, this is like as close to the edge as possible. What I'm seeing a lot are 20-something-year-olds. Now, I guess back this up. When I was at Wayside, I'd be meeting with guys coming into our program who were 50, 60 years old. I could start telling the people I've been using marijuana for years. And I, I, probably anyone could, but, you know, you get used to it after a while. And a gateway drug. <laughs> and it would be something. And I said, when did you start? I started 13. How long have you been using every day for you know, all these years? And most of them would say, I don't know anyone that doesn't use because it is so rampant. What I'm seeing now are 24-year-olds, uh, 24 to 20 to early 20s to um, mid-30s, who are freaking out. They're, whatever they're lacing the marijuana with, is just off the chart. And so it's a lot more dangerous. Schizophrenia? Schizophrenia, yeah. High and THC content. It is. And you know what? Basically, if you, you know, we get these pictures uh, way back uh, from the 70s when people were at like a Woodstock doing crazy stuff. That would be like. Cheech and Yeah. That would be like a 1%. Yeah. 1%. Right. What the kids are vaping today would be more like a 60%. And the thing about vaping is that, you know, if, you, if a kid would smoke back then, it was, uh, you have a roach clip, and I don't know a lot about it, but they would, you know, they would smoke a joint. I could tell you more of it. <laughs> <laughs> they would put, you know, you smoke, you pass around. You, and so, and, and even the burning off would get some. Now what's happening is they're, they're, they're vaping, and there's no end to it. There's a, and it's not like you smoke a cigarette or you smoke a joint and you put it down, but they continue doing it. And then the other thing is our gummies. The thing about, you know, a cigarette, you smoke, you smoke, you put it down. The thing about a gummy, you pop it in there, 
And I've talked to people who said, whoa, it was like once, it's like eating pizza. You know, you eat, 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 and you're like, oh, why did I eat so much? It's too late then at that point. What do you do? And so what we're finding, so the thing is, it is not a miracle drug. Uh, there are there are situations where I've seen it has helped in a therapeutic situation with pain. I'll admit, and I think if it could be a controlled substance and the doctors prescribe it, I think there would be a value, just like we see values for other painkillers. But uh, the problem is, I don't think the FDA is going to go that route because there's too much money that the states are making yep. off taxes. That's right. That's so right. follow the money. Well, we're so taxed in Illinois that the black market is still thriving here in Illinois. But to your point about um, schizophrenia and freaking out, um, I have learned over the years uh, doing this and opposing the legalization of recreational marijuana that there are different types of marijuana. Mm. Some of them can get you jacked up and some of them can get you calmed down. And so we've got a variety of things that are being bred, you know, and, um, and created. Um, and so it could be very dangerous. Yes. And we had a medical doctor from an emergency room talk to us about hypernemesis, which is also called scrometing. It's a combination of screaming and vomiting. It's an allergic mm-hmm. reaction to mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she says every time she works, it's at least one person comes in with that. Really? So every single, you know, um, and, and so we're, we're really, and, and then we're really plaguing our country. We're, we're putting something, a snare in front of our children mm-hmm. and, and our neighbors that uh, is very dangerous. Yeah. In Scripture, as you know, First Peter, I think it's five eight that says, "Be aware, be alert, be sober, because your adversary, the devil, is roaming around." So if you're not sober, I mean, and you you smoke this stuff, you're not sober. No, um, you're vulnerable. It's a depressant. Yeah. And unfortunately, most of the people that I'm running into in the emergency room are depressed. They're suicidal because they're depressed, and they're taking depressants, and so it's it's a vicious cycle. There's no question. And this then also leads to the homelessness issue too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Let's uh, let's look at something completely different okay. here. Okay. Well, not necessarily uh, completely different. Uh, Pastor, there's bipartisan pressure now uh, building to stop f- foreign nationals from purchasing American farm operations and receiving taxpayer subsidies. One major fear is that China could control our food supply, even more so. Uh, Would you support legislation that would uh, rein that in? Uh, And do you share that fear about China? Absolutely. There's no question. China's one of our biggest threats. And it, it is interesting, you know, when it comes to the Ukraine, how much wheat they provided for the Europe and how they're going after the breadbasket. And the, the fact is that we're letting China buy so much of our property, our yeah. farms, is yeah. incredible. We need to stop it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And we know that there's Chinese entities in, I think, Oklahoma now, buying up thousands right. of acres of land. Right. And they're not planting crops, per se. They're planting marijuana. Well, and that's just really disturbing. We're talking about food shortages here in the United States, and they're using farmland now for marijuana. Mind-boggling to me. Yes. Let me ask you a question on um, the upcoming election. 
with the hopes that a red wave will um, push you into the swamp yeah, <laughs> in yeah. D.C., That's right? That's a good way to put it. Right? Um, we saw in Virginia that a Republican got elected, and based on really kind of social issues, whether it's CRT or it's the transgender issue, what was going on in the government schools, parents said no more, right? Um, what do you think about those issues? And um, there are people probably uh, within the Republican establishment says, who would tell you, don't talk about those issues. Um, but I think it resonates with parents. Yeah, we, we need to get the rights back to the parents. Amen. And, you know, my wife's a public school teacher. Okay. And my daughter and son-in-law both work in the public school system. My daughter teaches statistics in a high school in Michigan. My daughter, my wife teaches math. We raised our kids, everything from they had this, uh, private school, homeschooling. We, we made our own choice yep. in, in some public school. It was our choice, though. As right. parents, we, each one of these children train up a child in the way that he should go. And so we looked at each child at different seasons of life, and we did what we thought were the, made the best decisions. But we were making the decisions, and we stayed involved in the process. And fortunately, I've got a, an intelligent and a gifted wife as a teach, who's a teacher. Yep. And so she was really able to help out because she was working very hard, but she was, wasn't working outside the home because she poured all her energies into, the, into That's our beautiful. family. That's beautiful. Yeah, what a, it was a blessing of God that we were able to do that. Amen. Uh, the, unfortunately, so many families today are just struggling at the financial pressures on them. But I think the key is is giving the right. So I, you know what? I, if we did away with the Department of Education, I would be all for that. Amen. Actually. And I think what we have to do is bring everything back down to the grassroots level. To the local level. Parents. Yeah. Talking to over Christian Liberty recently, they're, they're doubling. I mean, it's just amazing. Homeschools are popping up all over the place. Co-ops are popping up. Our, our Micro churches, schools. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think th there's a big backlash, but we have to give the rights back to the parents. Well, let's talk about this. Um, would you support federal legislation that would encourage education choice? You know, one is I'm a small government guy. So, like, one of the first questions I was asked by the Daily Herald said, okay, if Roe v. Wade gets uh, overturned, what should we do at the federal level? I said, nothing. Mm. One, we don't need a constitution because uh, an amendment because the constitution always already protects her life. So we don't need to say life needs to be protected there. And I don't think we need a federal laws. I think it should go back to the states. And that's what, that was what we're seeing doing. In the same way, I, I feel like I, I, I want to keep pushing things down to the grassroots level. I just heard a big cheer from the libertarians in our crowd here. So, <laughs> And I'm with you. Yeah. I think... The local, the, the more local control we have, the better. Because in D.C., they're not listening to us. No. And right. and we just passed here in Illinois um, comprehensive sex education from kindergarten through 12th grade. And then we did. We tied it to national standards. So those national standards aren't going to be written by our state lawmakers. No. They're not going to be reviewed and approved by our state lawmakers. Mm -hmm. It's tied to some bureaucrat. You or know, local school boards, right? Yeah. So, so yeah, I'm I'm with you 110. percent I really appreciate you saying that. <clears throat> On the other hand, okay, oh, okay, oh, devil's advocate. Okay, <laughs> these local school boards are controlled by the teachers' unions, mm -hmm. yes, uh, and they're putting in place these true blue lefties on these school boards. Okay, mm -hmm. shouldn't there be something there that allows for mandates, transparency of 
what's being taught, that pe- the parents have access to this information. You know, it, it, so much of this, what's going on, is hidden from the parents. Some and, people even suggest that we should have cameras in the classrooms, hmm. just like policemen have to have that body ar- uh, body camera. Yeah. So, yeah. What do you think? So what are your thoughts? You've got a uh, wife in the school system, so yeah. tell me. And she's staying there, by the way, as a, as a missionary. I mean, she's trying to make a difference in the in sure. lives because she is so frustrated with the, 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 where the kids are, where the school is. Certainly, we, we see the problem with the teachers' union and the influence that, that We need have. Christian teachers and administrators yeah. like you wouldn't believe, yeah. absolutely. So I do think that's the one good thing that came out of COVID and Zoom is parents all of a sudden, they started watching what's going on. These teachers are saying, it's like, what? What's going on here? And so there's a challenge. So yeah, we need the transparency, I think. I remember you know paying these over when we our kids were at Medina Christian School and at Wheaton Academy and these different, it was like, man, I wish we had vouchers. I wish I could take my money that I'm paying, that my right, tax money, right. and divert it over there. Uh, you know, and Chicago's doing a little bit better job with the charter schools, but out in the suburbs, there's just there's there's no option. So we have to we have to pay twice. We have to pay our taxes. That's right. And then we have to pay for whatever education for our children. But it's worth it. Our children are worth it. That's that's for sure. So you're knocking on doors in the eighth congressional district, yeah. and when you talk to people, what are they talking about? Baby formula, gas prices, what? You know, unfortunately, it does go back to the economy a lot. I, I talked to folks uh, when I was going getting uh, signatures. I talked to only a couple people that really seemed to care about life, and that was a little disheartening. And they tended to be Catholic, to be honest, older Catholics. Um, and I go on. I don't find that really immigration is as big of an issue as as far as as far as at, at the grassroots level what people are talking about. Uh, they seem to be scared though. I just got contacted today by someone in Wheaton that had their van stolen. I had my van stolen from a church parking lot while I was recording a Christmas Eve service. I mean, just, in Carroll Street. In Carroll Street. Oh no! <laughs> I found it on the west side of Chicago the next day. But the thing is, I think there is an issue. People are are scared. But the thing is, when are you're they seeing, scared enough to vote Republican? <laughs> I sure hope so. I I think so. There's a lot of people that are angry, angry at the, the direction of the country. They don't like paying five bucks for gas. Right? They don't like going to the grocery store and seeing some shelves empty and then paying you know three bucks for a loaf of bread, and uh, they don't like being scared to go outside at night. Right, right. Or drive down the expressway with oh. with you know yeah. shootings on the expressway and um, yeah, crime and um, law and order are probably at the top of the list. People are scared. Yep. Well, um, you're a ray of hope. Uh, for people who think like us, if you're a conservative, pro-life, if you're a Christian or a person of faith, uh, Phil Wood might be your guy, <laughs> okay? Uh, Phil, if people want more information about your campaign, where do they go? Okay. Well, first, go to the Lord in prayer, certainly. And Absolutely. Say, I appreciate what you guys have done. For years and years and years, our church has distributed hundreds of your guides. Woo-hoo! <laughs> because it's like there was where else could you get good information, especially before the internet was, and that's that's really muddied the water a lot. So I think what we need are people who are informed and they're going to go to the Lord in prayer. I certainly appreciate prayer. I'm just asking people to pray for me. Please pray for me and protect me. And I think what in addition to that, if they could mobilize voters. We need to get people out. And unfortunately, I don't like it. I wish we could all go on one day, June 28th, right. and, and do it all. Right. But unfortunately, the goalposts have been moved, and this is what we're working with. Go vote now. Lock it down. Get your vote 
done and, and, and go forward. And so I'm encouraging folks to mobilize voters. One thing I've noticed as I've gone out, because I, I go out with lists uh, that identify highly um, qualified voters, people that basically have voted a lot in, in primaries, and they tend to be in clusters. There's three houses, and then there's a block, and then there's two houses, and then there's a block, and there's four houses. And that tells me people of influence. Mm-hmm. There's someone there that can, because people don't get together and say, hey, let's move together on this cul-de-sac. What happens is there's someone on the cul-de-sac, they fly their, they fly their flag, and they take a stand, and then other people Put a yard sign out. And they're not scared, and then other people, and emboldens other people. And so influence other people to get out and vote, be informed, Look at the stuff that your guys are putting out, and then if they want specifically, uh, if they're in the eighth, and and I, they can go to philwoodforcongress.com, and we would sure appreciate prayers and encouragement, support, anything that they are willing to do. So the pastor is challenging every one of you who are listening to this podcast. You don't have to live in his district to pray for Phil. Thanks. You can pray for Phil. In Southern Illinois or in Northern Illinois, and of course, if you live in the eighth district, you need to get activated. Vote, vote early, and often. <laughs> well, I'm not going to go my there. Chicago coming out of me. <laughs> and, and courageously he, encourage. He did, he did grow up in the Chicago. Yeah, I know, area, right? So the he... Chicago way. But courageously invite others to come with you to go vote and uh, and vote for Phil Wood, congressional candidate for the eighth district. Thank you. Praise God. All right. Thank you for doing this, putting your head out there, oh. putting your neck out there, is what I should say. No, thank you. you. You guys have been putting your neck out for a long time, so thank you for what you're doing. Well, thank you. And uh, thank you, folks, for tuning in. Uh, Dave, our voter guide still available. That's right, on the web at illinoisfamily.org. And um, give us a call if you want um, a bulk quantity for your church. We just took a call from a, uh, a Spanish-speaking church in Bartlett today who said, we want 200 of your voter guides. So don't wait because they will not last. And by the way, they won't do us any good in July. So you want them now. Get them now while they're hot. And then one more little ad. October 28th, save the date, our annual banquet. We're bringing in Kevin and Sam Sorbo. Going to be our keynote speakers. You know who Kevin Sorbo is, right? Nope. Okay, I don't blame the pastor. doesn't know. Hercules. He played Hercules. And you remember God's Not Dead, that movie? He was the atheist professor. Oh, okay. An actor. Good. He's very conservative, he, Christian, he, outspoken. He, he was only acting. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, uh, he came to faith at the end. Did he? He did. Remember at the end? I don't recall. He got hit by a car? Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 Well, October 28th, uh, if you're so inclined, go to our events page at IllinoisFamily.org. Yep. You can also call our IFI office at 708-781-9328. Well, until next time. Stay healthy, stay active, and God bless. For more information about Illinois Family Spotlight, visit ifiaction.org. And to email questions and comments, do so at feedback at ifiaction.org.